Can you relate to this moment? Picture this. Your partner leaves their socks or underwear on the floor of the bathroom, or maybe right in the middle of the hallway, more times than you can handle. And all of a sudden, your brain goes from, here we go again, why do I have to pick these up every single day? Does my partner even care that I try to keep the house looking presentable? No, they don't even care. They have no respect for me and how hard I work every single day. Sound familiar? All of a sudden, a pair of socks on the floor equals a lack of respect. This kind of self-talk is step one to overcome before becoming a mom. Today's guest, Dr. Morgan Cutlip, has a degree in psychology, a master's in human development and family science, as well as a doctorate in counseling psychology. And she, along with her dad, run the fabulous resource for relationships called My Love Thinks. Today, you are going to learn from this expert mama how to involve your partner from the beginning in pregnancy and even before. You'll also learn what maternal gatekeeping is and the importance of releasing it, as well as the most important communication tool to keep that love present as we enter parenthood. This is such a hot topic that I wish was discussed more, so don't go anywhere. You're going to love this one. You are listening to the Mamas in Training podcast, and I'm your host, Jessica Lorian. But I'm not yet a mom. I know that sounds crazy, but it's all because I'm here to learn right alongside you. I have an autoimmune disease, and I'm weaning myself off my medication, but until I am medication-free, my motherhood journey is a little bit delayed. So I decided to learn all about motherhood before I actually am one, and you are on this journey with me. So stay tuned as we learn from the amazing Dr. Morgan Cutlip all about how to keep our relationship strong and thriving as we enter motherhood. You went on a trip to DC and this was an absolutely beautiful quote. You said, the city represented the city of Baltimore. The city represented all that we had lost and all that we had gained. Gosh, you know, I actually forgot about that article, but I really liked that <laughs> writing that. It was, that was beautiful. Such, thank you. That was such a, um, so my, my husband and I, we lived in D.C. and I was pregnant in D.C. And then we moved and that's when our daughter Effie was born. So she was born in Florida. And so when we went back to D.C. for that trip, it was the first time we had been back in the city where she was conceived, where I spent my pregnancy. And so it was all of our pre-kid relationship, for the most part, besides our early dating years, but um, existed in that city. And so it just, I remember flying in and being moved to tears. Like, I did not anticipate all of those feelings rushing to the forefront and what were those feelings at that moment? Was it a sadness of the past? Was it a, a, a joy of the present? What was it? It was both. And I think that's a good analysis of motherhood is that it's <laughs> often conflicting feelings at the same time. And I, you know, this, the sadness was about, gosh, we had so much fun being able to be free and spontaneous and lazy like <laughs> we take for granted <laughs> take for granted the, the ability to just lounge I remember binge watching mm. Sopranos in like our basement in Virginia I'm like 
you know, those days are not easy to come by. Anymore. Yeah. So sadness about, I think, a loss of just the, the us-ness, you know, just the togetherness that we shared, just the two of us. And what a beautiful time that was for us. And that, you know, eventually we'll get again, kind of like sentimental, I think, feelings. And yeah. then, then the other piece is just this like sort of feeling of in awe. You know, as I'm flying into the city, I'm coming into it with a completely different perspective, a completely different life, and a way different uh, couple in person than I was when I lived here before. And so I think just feeling really humbled by that, I think is the best way to put it, by that change. Just the magnitude of how different our life is and how much I love that. It's different and love what we have, but it's just a wild intersection of yeah. feelings. Crazy roller coaster that we kind of go on. It's like I'm picturing myself now and I've had so many years of of the lounging, of the binging. <laughs> but then there's also such the desire for a baby, for a family, and yeah. to start that. And it is, I think, kind of scary to think that what you have could never be what you experience it to be anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think what we hope for is, you know, for that love, for that partnership to grow and blossom into something even bigger and greater than it has been for the past however many years. But I think today we're really going to dive into how to navigate those times and keep it as close to what we originally fell in love with. You have a PhD in psychology and you're a relationship expert and a longtime lifelong lover of all things relationship. <laughs> it actually was literally in your blood, literally through your dad, <laughs> right? Um, yes. And you continue to work with him in your company. And so you've seen probably all the different categories, single, starting mm -hmm. a relationship, in a relationship, going through probably moving out of relationships too. So if we're going to focus on this time as we prepare, as we're mamas in training, as we're expecting moms, if we're going to focus on that time and we know that there's going to be a big life change for both ourselves personally and for our relationship. So what can we do, whether we're a mama in training like myself, an aspiring mom, or we're an expecting mama in training, what can we do during that time to really involve our partners and set us up for the best success possible? Yeah, I think that's such a wise question and one that not enough people think about. And quite honestly, I feel like I didn't think enough about this. Um, mm -hmm. Given all of my years of education and the field that I exist in, it was not something that was, I don't know why I didn't, but anyway, live and learn. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> well, and that's why we get to have you here today. Like this oh. is what, this is the perfect example. And Morgan saying, this is what I wish I knew. And I now wish, you get to tell us. <laughs> well, and I knew, and I just, you know, I think we all like to think we're the exceptions or yeah. we get caught up in, in the excitement of the pregnancy or yeah. the excitement of the anticipation of pregnancy that we forget about all of the massive things on the horizon that will change and will be beautiful, but will be hard. 
that just kind of gets shoved aside and we're like, it'll be fine. There are a lot of things that you can do. So I, I did this post recently about changes after kids and people get really fired up about sometimes posts that I, I totally don't see it coming. <laughs> and it was the changes that happen in marriages after kids and the differences for men and for women. And there is nuance to this research. So I'm going to talk very globally, but recognize there's nuance here. In general, relationship satisfaction tends to dip a bit after kids. And the range of how long that lasts is like between 15 months to four years, which is a big range, okay? I, I guarantee you it depends a little bit on the um, temperament of your kids. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, for sure. It comes back, some, you know, for the most part. But when you look at differences in what affects satisfaction for women, it's loss of freedom and increase in responsibilities. For men, it's pressure to provide um, or financial pressure and changes in sex life. So I share this information and people, you know, you get comments like, that's why I'm never having kids or, you know, all these sort of negative things. And in my perspective, information is helpful because it empowers you to make changes. Absolutely. If you see what's ahead of you, then you can prepare. I was hoping that people would read, and I think a lot did, right? Would see this post and say, this is a roadmap. These are the obstacles along the way. And what can we do to make sure we're strong going into this? And some things you cannot totally prepare for ahead of time because you can't anticipate, you know, what your life will be like then. But you can have a plan for how the two of you can come together and talk about these things when they do arise. So plan for the things you can. How do we increase in responsibilities is a big one. You can get good in your relationship at managing who does what before kids come along. And this will set you up in a big way after you have kids in, in a positive way. But changes in your sex life, that's not something that you necessarily can totally anticipate. Maybe you won't feel much of a change. Maybe your desire will kind of plummet and you won't understand why. And it might be way different than it was before kids. So have a plan in place to say, when this comes up or if this comes up, how are we going to approach these issues? And just by talking about them ahead of time, having a plan ahead of time, you can go into having kids feeling really prepared for whatever possibilities might come your way. Then I think there's things that you can do as a future mother to prepare. Like one is taking the time to explore your relationship with your own mother or mm. if you didn't have a mother, the lack of mother and what that looks like for you. Because there are often things that sort of, I call them like templates or scripts or things like that, that exist below the surface uh, that come out after kids are brought into the relationship or brought into your life that you just didn't really know about yourself. It happens with your partner too. There'll be things that you're like, I didn't know that about you. Now we have kids and you're like, these things are coming out. I didn't know. Or why are you so much like your father? (laughs) You know, these things (laughs) creep up. And so um, taking some time to self-reflect. Because a lot of times these scripts start to, after kids, develop into the expectations we have for ourselves as mothers. So our relationship with our mom is one source of that or lack of mom that matters to um, is one source of these expectations or other sources, social media, you know, for the, all the good that it can provide. There is a dark side to some of that that can shape some of our expectations. And so 
exploring some of this ahead of time can just help you get to know where some of the hangups can be later on when you're a mom. Like, we develop these wild expectations of ourselves that largely are silent until we have kids. And so one of them is often good moms don't really need much help. (laughs) And so if we can unearth these expectations ahead of time and start challenging them in real time in real relationships, we can be better equipped when we do have kids to ask for the help we need to say, this is an expectation. I know where it comes from, but this is actually not realistic. And so I'm not going to, I'm not going to try to live up to it in my experience as a mom. And I think that's really powerful because I hear from women all the time, how much difficulty they have asking for help or how much guilt they experience as a mother. And I believe a lot of it comes from these sort of unexplored expectations that we have for ourselves. It's interesting that you say that because I'm sitting here thinking my mother, who is absolutely unbelievable, and I'm really blessed to have her still in my life, and I'm so so blessed to have her be the mother that she is. And even if she listens to this episode, I think she will agree with the fact that I think one of her best qualities is that she is like the craziest multitasker. She does it all and she does it all so well, but I think that's also her biggest detriment. And I have totally taken that on. And so I could see that if I'm not aware that that could be a potential downfall when I do become a new mom, that I might fall into a pattern that's really not healthy. Yes. I think that's such a great observation about your own mom, because if you haven't noticed this, right, if you've not explored this, it will be really easy for your standard of what a good mother looks like to be somebody who multitasks and who does it really, really well, which is so hard. And also we don't have all of like the behind the scenes of our childhood, right, you know, right. what our moms were going through. And so we're just like drawing these conclusions based on these kind of like memories. Exactly. How you see it in your mom now. It's just a recipe to feel like you're chronically falling short oh. as a mom. And we have plenty of places in our lives that that's going to get stirred up. And so you can prepare a little bit to kind of negate some of those before you're a mom. So now if we don't have a therapist or someone amazing like you to speak to, how do we explore these things? Like, I feel like it's, I mean, it's so hard to just sit there and be like, okay, so what parts of my mom might I have that could affect me? You know what I mean? Like, how do we physically do this work? Yeah, I think that that's a good question, actually. <laughs> it's so easy to talk about it like out here right. in this, like, theor- theoretical perspective. So I-, I like to be very practical. I mean, if-, if I were sitting with someone, they're like, how do I do this? My steps for them would, would be, number one, like get out a pad of paper and a pen when you have some quiet time and write about, you know, what you saw in your mother. Like, what, what was your mother like? Answer these questions. What was your mother like? How did she handle her emotions when she was angry? What did she seem like? How does she show you love and affection? If you had to describe a good mother, what do you think a good mother looks Mm. like? And what does a good mother do? And I would just start journaling about some of these things. You don't have to do it in one sitting, right? But but working through some of these prompts to help to, to kind of flush out some of these things that might emerge that you haven't really thought about. 
before. And then a lot of times when we can finally get to a place where we can articulate our expectations of ourselves, then you can hold them up to reality. And some of it you might be able to do before kids and then some of it you might have to do after. And and that's kind of what you have to do is you have to like test them in reality. So if you're not a mom yet, talk to some seasoned mothers. Like hmm. do do you have help? How do you ask for help? What does that look like? Do you what what hang ups kind of get, you know, do you struggle with? And just sort of pick their brains and get kind of a, a more well rounded perspective hmm. on motherhood. And I think that can be helpful. And even exploring some of these expectations um with your partner can be helpful. Because you're going to bring forward expectations you have for what your partner's like as a parent, which yeah. is a source of a lot of conflict when they are not measuring up to what you imagine they'd be, even though you probably never talked about it. And then what you imagine they'll be like as a partner to you after your parents. And so bringing some of these conversations to the forefront can, can flush out a lot yeah. ahead of time. Going back to the, the mother conversation too, it is so important, as you mentioned in the beginning, that if you don't have a mother that was present, whether she passed too soon or she was absent, that is such an important thing. I interviewed one of my dearest friends, and she she's not my sister, but I call her my sister. I believe it was episode 11. I will link that episode, if you'd like, in the show notes for anyone who's listening. But it was entitled, Being a Motherless Mother. And Mm -hmm. it was all about what she went through because she didn't really anticipate it. But going through her motherhood journey without her mom started to bring up all of these things, you know, that she had worked through some of them, but not worked through all of them. And it's really an important thing to be aware of. And so especially if you're in that category I would highly recommend listen to that episode and and do some of this work. And even maybe like you say, Morgan, asking yourself the questions in that situation, you know, like that you, you might not want to go through. You may have to have a moment in a bathtub and cry a little bit about it. But yeah. what did this time without your mother, how did this affect you? And what do you kind of, what do you wish you had and she was here for and all of these questions? And that could be really challenging to go through, but just like with the relationship, I think you're saying so important to go through because I think naturally come up with these imaginary thoughts of what we are expecting and what we're hoping and what we're, you know, <laughs> whether that's of our children, I imagine, or our partner for sure. And really talking about that and and realizing that what we've dreamed up for our partner to be as a father or as a support when we're pregnant or support in birth I might imagine that I would love my husband, Kevin, to be so present at my birth, but like maybe that time comes and he's like so nauseous and so overwhelmed that he can't even be in the room, you know, like we have to be prepared for all of these roller coaster sidetracks. Yes, exactly. So I kind of want to go back to something and then come back to where you are because you just said something that triggered a thought for me that I want to share, but about your friend, the motherless mother. Yeah. So my mom is adopted. And it's not like a super common experience, but part of her sort of exploration of her past is exploring the mom who gave her up, Mm. right? And then also the mom who she ended up with. So people who are listening to this who might have more complicated experiences with mothers, 
it's good to explore all of those mm. because being turned over at two months old for my mom had a dramatic impact. We talk about attachment styles and 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 abandonment and, and all of these different things that get stirred up later on when you have children. And the point I want to make is that painful past experiences absolutely shape us. However, we don't have to repeat them. Mm. And so part of the process of kind of digging into some of the past stuff can be, how do I want to be similar to the mother I had? How do I want to be different? And what are things that I absolutely do not want to repeat with my own children that I experienced? Mm. And being really intentional about thinking through those three areas can be really helpful and also just reassuring to people who had bad family experiences or hard or traumatic some of the most like my mom is such an incredible mother and it is in so many ways because of all of the pain that she went through and you don't have to go through pain to Mm. be a good mom Mm -hmm. but she was so determined to do it differently Mm. so beautiful And when it comes down to our partners, of course, having these conversations from the beginning, if we have the luxury to do that, Mm -hmm. is so key and so important. What, What would you say beyond that? You know, we were talking a little bit ago about some of these practical things like grab a pen and paper. I love, I love that, that, you know, that's what I need. I need to be told exactly what to do. And so as I sit here and I think, and I've had this conversation with my husband, we've been together for 13 years. We've been married for four And we often joke, but it's also a serious conversation over like, when we do have kids, we're either going to be like badass parents and we're going to know each other so well because we've been together so long. It's going to be just like, you know, seamless or it's going to tear us apart. And this (laughs) life that we've had for the past 13 years is now no longer the same and we're not going to know how to handle it. So how can we stay close knit through all of the ups and downs and all of the challenges that we're going to explore? Mm. That's such a good question. The big thing that you can do is get in the habit of regularly checking in with your partner. I feel like I am like a broken record with this point. <laughs> it's the core of our couples course. We call them huddles in that course, but whatever you want to call it, call it a business meeting. I don't, people are like, oh, it's so formal. Yeah, yeah. that's okay. Sometimes, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, we manage all these aspects of our life. But when it comes to our relationships, we don't think of it in the in that same way, that we need to manage them. And we do. They're one of the most important parts of our life. And especially you bring kids into the picture and your relationship is the foundation for their development. So it is so important that you're strong. So one of the big things you can do is schedule, depending on how you operate as a couple, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly check-ins where you just have a sit down. It doesn't have to be boring and it doesn't have to be long. Actually, I recommend you don't make it long. And you just check in. How are we doing on meeting each other's needs? How's our sex life going? What are you needing that I'm just like totally missing? Or we've been really busy. Let's put something on the calendar to catch up and and just stay on top of it. Because I don't think it's often that a relationship brings kids into the mix and then it just falls apart. Right out of the blue, oh, suddenly we just don't function anymore. That's Mm. not usually what happens. What usually happens is that there are small things that start to create vulnerability in the relationship, that start to erode the closeness. 
they just go unaddressed. They're just below the surface, little things here and there. Before you know it, you're down the path of resentment or you're not having sex. Your closeness and feelings of love start to disappear because it's been eroded by these little tiny things that have just not gotten attended to. Mm. And so the best preventative thing is to just stay on top of that. Don't let those things develop and erode at your closeness. I once heard it kind of described similarly as if we're putting up these post-it notes. And I I have so many post-it notes that I need to stop. I need to put them away. (laughs) But it's like, for example, you walk into your bathroom, your husband's underwear is on the floor. Oh, just put up a post-it. He mentioned that he would take out the trash and he happened not to. So I go over there and I see that it's not taken out. Oh, I put up a post-it. You know, whatever these things are, he said that he would, you know, be free for us to have this conversation. And then a work call came up. Oh, put up a post-it. Like whatever it is, if we keep putting up these post-its, they kind of start clouding our view and our vision and our our love too. And then we don't address those post-its and that's kind of, creating the barrier that yeah in this list right this like imaginary list so (laughs) what you're talking about is so in our course for example we we give almost like an outline to these meetings and what you're talking about is one of the categories one of the pieces and we label it as trust we define trust as your belief in someone else Mm -hmm. right like how you what you believe about them This is the interesting piece is what we believe about people is based on some fact, right? Some of what we know about them, but also it's based a lot on what we think about Mm -hmm. what we know. And so over time, what we do in our relationship is we, and we do this with everybody, not just our partners. We do it with our kids, our acquaintances, everybody. We create these sort of internal pictures. So it's like a picture in your head of your partner. This is largely what we interact with in our relationships more really than the partner in reality. And so this this is what you're talking. You're using these post-its to formulate your picture, right? Oh, my partner's a slob, their underwear. My partner um, doesn't, is not considerate that I try to keep the house clean. Oh, he's so selfish, never considering me and how he plans his day. He's, you know, all these sort of types of things that we start focusing on rearranges the pieces of our picture. And so we move the negative to the forefront and all the good to the background. Mm -hmm. And that's all we're seeing. And you're exactly right that it then starts to cloud our perspective on our partner and erode just like the feelings. It it changes the tone in the relationship when, you know, so now even if your partner does something and it wasn't at all because they were being sloppy or selfish, maybe they're distracted or stressed we still jump to those conclusions. We make those assumptions. We react to things in that particular way. And so part of this is the sort of work and why you do these check-ins is that in relationships, there's an individual piece and there's a between a dynamic piece. So some of this stuff is, is individual stuff. And so part of it is taking responsibility for how you form the picture in your head of your partner yeah, and taking absolutely. responsibility for rearranging the pieces and for cleaning it out, we have to like take inventory and clean some of that stuff out. How do I shift my perspective of my partner to be more positive? Hmm. How do I see the good in them? Or am I just paying attention to only the bad things that annoy me? If that's how you operate, you're going to sour the tone of your relationship so quickly. 
And I can imagine and, too, especially with a newborn, you're in that postpartum phase. You have all these hormones rushing through your body. You're sleep deprived. Like the last thing you're going to think of is, thank you, sweetheart, for bringing me that water. That was so kind of you. Instead, you're going to think, why didn't you make that dinner that I asked you to make? You know, like yes, that's just naturally, yes. it's easier for us to do that, but it's really a total paradigm shift is what I'm hearing. Yes, it absolutely it absolutely is. And I think, you know, gosh, you add in the hormonal shifts. And I know personally, I felt I, I'm not an anxious person. I had so much anxiety after our daughter was born. And, and then again, after our son, at least I was prepared the second time. Anxiety will make you more kind of quick to snap and quick yeah. to jump. And so it is a paradigm shift. But this also why it's good to do this before kids. I'll never forget the study that I read. I think it was out of the UK and it was a qualitative study. So it's just stories really. And they did, they did some assessments, but it was a mother's transition into motherhood. And they just told tons of moms just told their stories. And what they found was the moms who invited their partners in and involved them right from the beginning had the smoothest, transitions into motherhood. And I'm talking things like, you know, you have a couple week old and you're like, here you go. I'm going out to run some errands. Yeah. Things that I think are really hard. I know it would have been hard for me. I wish I would have done that a better job of that. That's something to remember too, is that right after the baby's born is a very vulnerable time as a mom, because everything's new and you're figuring it out. But it's really important and can save you in the long run if you allow your partner to be part of the figuring it out process. Mm. Because then they know what's going on and you don't have to teach them later on when they're like, I don't know what to do. You're the one who does it all. Exactly. So what is what is that term? Mother? Uh, uh, maternal gatekeeping. Maternal gatekeeping. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I can see how... It can feel like you just carried this baby for nine months. You just birthed this baby, however it came out of you. It's like, mm -hmm. it's your responsibility, you know? But yeah. really, yeah, I think it's that separation. And if you just take that, even if it's just a 10-minute walk around the block, you know, in the beginning, right? To just explore how that feels, to give them a little more, bit more responsibility, and for you mm -hmm. to have a little bit of freedom, and then I think they'll probably start to gain a little more confidence in that as well too, yes. right? Because I would imagine that they might even feel almost like a third wheel kind of. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the confidence piece is really big that you're touching on. And I think too, leading up to a baby and even through parenthood, we're the ones that usually are reading all the books and paying attention and doing all the research. Right. And so when the baby comes along, we're like, well, we're qualified. Right. So you will tell you what to do and follow our lead. And that ends up backfiring a lot of times. And also then makes us seem like we know it all and our partners don't. Mm -hmm. And that is, it's so much better to help just to navigate it together and to help your partner build confidence. Like you said. In the beginning though, when we're, when we're pregnant, we're expecting we're an aspiring mom our partners might not necessarily be as apt to pick up a book or to listen to this podcast. <laughs> you know, they yes, might feel yeah. like it's not their thing. How do we, what would be a good way for us to approach this, even if it's just like a wording or something that we can use to encourage our partners to take that initiative before the baby's even earthside? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't actually know if I have a good answer for that question. <laughs> so one idea I have, and this isn't wording, but one of the best things my husband and I did with our first is we went to classes mm. before the baby was born. And I, I happen to have a home birth. And so it's a little different kind of world, right, than hospital birth and perspective on some things. But it doesn't matter. There are classes for any type of birth. That really was eye-opening for him oh wow I need to know how to do a swaddle or I need to know how to you know if you choose to do that right or or there's some ways to burp a baby or just kind of like brought him in to that conversation and it wasn't me directed yes I think that it's like so important right to like be one more thing that we've got to manage now we got to manage making sure our partners are consuming, you know, this information can be really stressful and and frustrating. And so that was something that was really big for us that I thought was really helpful. I just know I'm more of a research-minded person. Like I'm just, you're probably a lot of us women are, but I'm just, he's not so curious about some of these things. And I'm in the world with the kids more often than him. And so one way um, I've approached this is that when there's something big, like when I know our kid is going through something in particular and I want to be aligned, I want to be a united front on this particular way of handling these things, I'll just have a conversation with him about that, which is, you know, our son Roy is going through X, Y, or Z. Obviously, my husband notices these things yeah. too. And I'll say, for this particular issue, I want to both handle it like this. And I don't think he's ever argued about that. Like, okay. Or I'll say, I have this podcast that I listen to that I think really explains a lot yeah, about a what's idea. going on with Effie. And do you mind listening to it? So he always is willing. Mm-hmm. And I know not every partner is that way, but a lot of them are. Mm-hmm. And so when and it's it can't hurt clear, to ask. no, it can't hurt to ask. And especially when it's clear, it's not like go out and find a parenting right. book. It's like, right. I want to share something like this with you. I think the other thing is, is that there's value in doing things differently. Hmm. There's some things you want to be aligned on, your values as parents, certain modes of discipline, I think are important. How are you going to handle that? Be aligned on those things. But also there's value to having different parents. How I parent and how I play with the kids is way different than how my husband does. But it's important that they get how he does it and get that different experience. They might not do it like us, but there's value. A hundred percent. And I was actually just watching a show um, the other day that made me think of kind of this aspect too. And if you kind of give them something to explore, whether that's like, watch this podcast, check out this YouTube video, watch this show, whatever, or let's watch this together. Let's listen to this Mm -hmm. together. Because then it doesn't become you instructing them in this show that I was watching the other day. This wife was saying how she was actually feeling like she had three kids because she yeah. felt like she always had to take care of her husband. And and that doesn't feel good, I imagine, for the husband. And that doesn't feel good for the wife. And probably just also doesn't feel good for the kids, too. So <laughs> I imagine just thinking about delivering your message or communicating your thoughts to your partner in that type of a way, in an inclusion type of a way really can set set the path for the future to be a little bit more even and not so single-handed. Yeah, I mean, you're hitting on so many things. This idea that your partner is another child is also something I end up hearing a lot. 
from women. And I think, you know, what I said about involving them early on is also something that helps to prevent that down the road. Yeah. Sometimes why women will feel like the partner's an extra child is because they're having to like manage the responsibilities that Mm -hmm. their partner's in charge of. Like, now can you take out the trash? Right. Now can you do this? And now can you? So involving them early and figuring out that sort of mental load stuff before kids is, is really key. I think another thing that you can do to involve your partner in some of these parenting dilemmas or birthing things or things like that is to just ask their opinion. Mm. You know, what, for example, I've come to my husband many times and said, I'm at a loss here for this particular issue with, with Roy or with Effie. What are are your ideas? And allowing them to like, it sounds so dumb and simple, but like, Giving them the opportunity. Yes, to participate. Yes. To participate. And again, like they can feel like the third wheel or feel like you're the expert and they're one down. And so that is not a fun place for anybody to to be in. And so to invite them in, like we are, this is a collaborative effort here. Mm -hmm. Like, what are your ideas? I'm not the keeper of every single answer. A hundred percent. Another little, um, tip that I just wanted to share. I have used with my husband for many years now. We both use it for each other, but I more so do it because I'm the one that lets my imagination go, um, (laughs) is a Brene Brown statement where she says the story that I'm telling myself. So (laughs) if you don't communicate in this way with your partner, you do, like we talked about, create this imaginary list and start to tell these stories to yourself about what's happening. And so I've found that just that simple phrase and coming to my partner and saying the story that I'm telling myself, and I know that this is not real, but the story that I'm telling myself is that you don't really care for the way that I like to keep the house and that it's important to have a clean house and and do these certain things. I know that that's not right, but it really just boils down to the trash. And oftentimes that takes off the pressure. Yeah, I actually do that too <laughs> in my own relationship. Yeah. It's all, I will have had that conversation with my husband where I'll be like, so this happened and this is how I'm processing it and what I'm, but I know this is not right. So can you correct it? Can you help me? And basically, you know, with this picture that we have, we fill in the blanks for our partners so often. And so just to check that our conclusions against how they would conclude our story can make a huge difference in kind of shifting out of it. I think a lot of times we personalize things between a partner like the trash. It's not the trash anymore when now it's about how they respect you. Right. Oh my gosh, like that's so big, right? <laughs> or how they, how thoughtful they are or, oh, they're so selfish wrapped up in your own world. You don't even notice anything around the, the house. Like that, what, this stuff is not important enough for mm-hmm. you to do. You know, we start to really... <laughs> personalize it and 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 also make meaning out of it. And so I think that you know sometimes we can we can check this stuff with our partners, but also we sometimes need to do it on our own. Yeah, absolutely. We need to check it on our own and like I give the example a lot of my husband, he has these black socks and like I will find them all over the house. Like just in a little ball. Like I find them outside. <laughs> I'll find them in my office. We share it a lot, so our office, but find them by the couch. I'll find them. And it's, it's either black socks or hats. <laughs> and so it would be really easy for me to get ticked off about it. Right. Like what the heck, man, just like, throw them in the hamper. Mm-hmm. Like what am I, your personal maid? Are you kidding me? I'm busy too. Or like, you know, yeah, whatever we yeah. do, we do, you know, we've all been there, but instead my husband um, travels a ton 
for work. And so when I see those black socks around the house, those are signs that my husband is here mm. and he's around and I'm grateful for that. And so you can't do this with everything. Like people sometimes are like, are you serious? Um, <laughs> you can't do this. I recognize that. Like you can't, if you've got a complete partner who is just so not thoughtful about things, right? So you're going to have to have a conversation maybe. Yeah. But, but there are lots of little things that, that we can we just shift. Yep. That we collect and we personalize it and we make this huge meaning out of that we can shift the meaning. Mm -hmm. And so now every time I see the socks, I gladly pick them up and I throw them in the hamper and I'm and I and I'm like intentional about this. I'm so glad my husband's home. Mm -hmm. And so I think there are there are things that are worth talking about, absolutely. Especially when we're just replaying these tapes over and over. But then there are also things that we can do on our own that go a long way. Dr. Morgan, I feel like I could talk to you for another 5,000 hours. Probably. My Love Thinks. Can you just share with everyone listening all about My Love Thinks? It's a father-daughter duo, and you guys really are empowered to help people continue to stay in love and fall in love without all of this drama and this stress. And so what is Love Thinks, and how can people get help from it and from you? My dad started Love Thinks a long time ago. He was creating courses before that was the cool thing to do and <laughs> has been teaching them for over 25 years. And I've worked with him for around 13 years. And we develop basically from psychological research and theory. We take that and translate it into very practical tools you can use to maintain your relationships. And we have courses for singles, couples. I have a course on the mental load, parenting. And you can learn all about it at My Love Thinks, which is our blog. Tons of free content on there and articles. And then on my Instagram, I share tons of information, regular series on relationship topics. And that's my love things as well. I love it. And I'll have those links all in the show notes so people can easily access you and all of your amazing knowledge. If there was advice I wish I had heard, it would be three, three things. It's okay to ask for help. You're going to need it. Get good at it. You can't do it all. So I guess that's one thing. So two things. And then the last thing would be my young child's behavior is not a reflection of how good of a mom I am. Mm. And I think that that is one that I struggled with for a long time and would save a lot of mom's heartache and personal self-judgment. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Dr. Morgan, thank you so much for your time and your knowledge and such beautiful wisdom if we can get really good and we have the opportunity to talk about this stuff beforehand and to communicate this with our partners, with our family members, and internally with ourselves, it can only set us up for success in the future and in, in our journey into motherhood. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was, this is so nice talking with you. Whew, I don't know about you, but that conversation really hit home for me. And how many times have you responded to that imaginary picture of your partner rather than seeing the good in them. I know I do that way too much and starting today, it's definitely something I need to start practicing. Did you ever think about how much of an impact your relationship with your own mother can influence your experience as you become a mother? And the tools that Dr. Morgan gave us to journal about those possible circumstances and work through them is such a beautiful resource to navigating this new chapter of motherhood. And I don't know about you, but a practical tool like that is always something I need to hear. And last but not least, don't forget to ask for help. 
and even ask for help before you're swamped, before you're in the thick of it. And if you'd like to get help from women who are in your shoes, I'd love to have you join us in the Mamas in Training Facebook group. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes that says Facebook Community and be welcomed immediately by a beautiful group of women who are all practicing asking for help. You don't have to do this alone. We are here for you. Thank you for listening today, and I hope this conversation gave you a few more tools to have a loving and supportive partnership as you go through your motherhood journey. If you enjoyed the show today, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and leave a review on Apple Podcasts so I know how to better serve you. I'd also love for you to join our community of Mamas in Training on Facebook. You can find me at Mamas in Training on Instagram and at mamasintraining.com. For Mamas in Training, I'm Jessica Lorian. We're in this together. <laughs>